0: Hello and thank you for joining us. This is Brian, your host of the Parish The Thought Show. The opinions of said host and our guests have not been sanitized or scientifically tested, so please consume at your own risk. Ladies and gentlemen, and whoever else is listening, today my guest is Phil Child. Phil, welcome. Hello, hello. And Phil, you are how old?
1: I'm thirty. 30? Only 30? Okay.
0: Well, our topic today is, I wanted to talk about race. Mm -hmm. So for the sake of our listeners who can't see us, (laughs) you are 30 years old. You are black. Yes. Yes. I am old and 50 and I'm white. (laughs) And um, you are, we are in Utah. We live in Utah where the population is predominantly 98% white. Right? Something like that?
1: Somewhere around there. Where are you from? Um, uh, so I was born in New York, Queens, New York, and then I moved to Indiana when I was about 11. And so I've hopped across the country. <laughs>
0: okay. And you've been in Utah how long did?
1: Um, almost six years. Six years. Okay. Yep, it'll be six years in December.
0: All uh, right. This is a question or something I've heard much of my life and it always uh, hurts my heart, I guess, but where people say that America is like systemically racist, hmm. And I know there's racist people and douchebags like that. But when people would say, is America systemically racist, I would just cringe like, no. And so I don't know if I'm wrong or if I'm right. So tell me your, Um, how would you answer that question? uh,
1: It's hard because I I think yes, to an extent, that is true. And the reason I think that is because there has just been, it's been ingrained in the systems of the US and America that hasn't changed yet. And we haven't gone down that path to really make a change. Like, yeah, there have been little changes like, okay, blacks can vote, blacks can do this, blacks can do that, or um, any other race can do this, that, or the other. Like, we had our first black president ever. Um, And so like, I think there are strides that we're trying to make, but I also think it's being perpetuated by former generations that they're teaching their kids and their kids are teaching their kids and it's not any fault of their own. They're not inherently trying to teach them to be racist or to feel like they're superior than anyone else. It's just what is being taught and what is being understood from what's happened in the past what's happening now um and so i think yes and no i think we're moving away from it but it's still a long road ahead and there's still a lot of changes that need to be made to make that not true anymore
0: to make it not be a topic of political everything yeah or people make seem to make everything into some kind of racial issue yep um So what, I mean, have you had experiences personally where you felt like you were the victim of someone being racist?
1: Personally, probably, but nothing that like comes to mind offhand. I remember when I was in elementary school and my mom, uh, we were talking about one of my teacher, or one of my sister's teachers who got fired and, She was fired for no reason of her own other than that she was uh, black and our new superintendent was white and she was just doing too much, uh, in our perspective, good um, for the black community that they were like, we're going to let her go. She didn't do anything wrong. She was a great teacher, like an amazing teacher. And so my mom pulled us out of school and we would go with her and all the parents, there's a ton of parents who would protest at school. So we would go with her and things like that. And eventually got to a point where they're like, okay, we'll give her a job, but not a teaching job. We're gonna give her a desk job in like our, the main corporate office of the school district, which pretty much was going to kill her because she was a teacher and you know teachers they love, love to teach. Love
0: being around their like, students.
1: Why be in an office that's pointless for them? And so they pretty much just were taking that away from her and trying to appease everybody by giving her her job. And and it, a lot of it led back to she was a black teacher in a, in a hugely populated black community that they were, she had too big of a voice. And that was the first time I'd ever seen something of that nature. I was, I think I was in third grade, third or fourth grade at the time. And it was just shocking to me that they would take an amazing teacher out of the classroom and replace her with other teachers who were white, who I had one of them and he and I did not get along at all because he didn't understand the community that I grew up in and why I was the way I was and why I spoke the way I spoke and why I did the things that I did. And he didn't want to get to know me and get to know that background for me. And so I think that was the first introduction to, oh, you're different and it's gonna be a hard road for you down the line. And so that was really tough.
0: So did you <clears throat> has it been a hard road down the line based on race for you um, your, from your perspective
1: no but it is it's definitely been interesting for me um so i was baptized lds when i was 13 and for those who
0: don't know LDS, LDS. is Church
1: latter-day saints Church of Jesus
0: christ of latter-day Saints. just for those who may yes. not know okay.
1: um and so i was baptized and into a predominantly white community uh, congregation,
0: in New York. and no in Oregon. Indiana. Oh, sorry,
1: Indian. Okay. And from that point, it seemed that I became, quote unquote, the token black guy. So the the black friend that everybody has that like oh like it's okay I have a black friend that that joke that running joke I became that for a lot of people. Um, unintentionally, people didn't, like, really just say that outright. It's like, oh, you're my black friend. But that's what it became. And it seemed, for me, growing up in Indiana at that time, that I was... They were using me to fulfill a quota. In their own mind? In Yeah. In their own life, and like, oh, like, I'm, I'm cool, I have a black friend. I'm not racist
0: because I know a black guy.
1: Exactly. Okay. Um, although none of them would say it, and I had a lot of friends who didn't even care, but... For those, like, when I first went to college uh, at Indiana State University, I joined a fraternity, and my fraternity name was Token, because I'm a token black guy. And so it was... Is this,
0: this college predominantly white? Uh, yeah. Okay.
1: And so it was still in my hometown, and, and so we... That was my nickname, and I was fine. Like, I just took it on, because I was like, I don't want to fight this. I don't... It doesn't matter to me that you think I'm fulfilling a quota. I'm just going to be myself. Yeah. Uh, and so, but through all of that, it seems like I, I get looks or I get different, like people will talk to me in one way and talk to other people in a different way because they think, Oh, he he's black. He might be, he's probably ghetto. And so like I can use slang around him and I can say the N word and I can say all of these things. And then in school, it was tough, because when I first moved to Indiana, I moved in, I think, I believe it was sixth grade, and everybody had been going to school together since they were like in diapers. And so all of them knew each other, it was just me and my sister at school for a year, and everybody, like I got made fun of because of my New York accent and... New York accent, not your black accent. No. Okay. And so that was okay, I guess, but like... And then it got to a point where people just... Like, my teachers would look at me differently or not expect a lot out of me. And looking back, it seems like they thought less of who I was. And I don't know if it was because of my race or not, but it just felt like, okay... There's an expectation that they have, and my expectation was even lower. And so, there's that, and I think nowadays, like here in Utah, is very, very different. The culture is very different. The culture—it's different no matter what race you are. Yeah, and so it's it's different around like across the board. And I haven't found anyone who inherently is a racist or comes across as that kind of a person or I didn't lose a job because of my race at least I don't think so (laughs) and I try to be optimistic in that mindset but it has played a part in friend groups of if you're black and you want to hang out with all these white kids they're going to love it and like you're accepted people love having you around but there are other kids who we probably have very similar uh personalities and they're not included. And other
0: black kids or other white kids?
1: Uh, white kids who like we would be very similar, like I have a really good friend. We're very similar. But I would get invited to things he wouldn't. I would get invited to this and stuff like that. I'm like, okay, so now you're just inviting me because of my color? Or are you inviting me the because of positive we're racism? Ugh. Because, I mean,
0: that can be a thing. Yeah. That's like voting for Obama because he was black.
1: Yeah. Stupid. Which I didn't do.
0: (laughs) Dumb, dumb, but but people did. Yeah, a lot of people did. Because of it. Like, How about you do it on his merit?
1: Oh, yeah. No, that was a huge thing. So I served a mission for uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And on my mission is when that whole race was going on and... Everyone asked me, so who are you voting for, Mitt Romney or Obama? Because you're either black or you're Mormon, or you're both, and so like, who are you going to vote for? And, like, the person that I feel I can actually do good with our country, and and so many people were surprised. Because I'm very open, I don't care if people know, like, I didn't vote for Obama either time he ran. Why um. didn't you vote
0: for him, <laughs> Phil?
1: <laughs> I don't. I just didn't believe in his stances. His I, character. Yeah, I was like, I'm doing? not. Okay. I'm not okay with the way he tried to portray the black community, and like, I remember watching all of these like videos on YouTube, which aren't they hold as much as water, <laughs> but like videos of talking about like, okay, this is how he spoke when he was in this group of people. And he spoke more like Dr. King when he talked to black people because that's what they want to hear. They want to hear a preacher style. Like, it it speaks to them more. And then he spoke differently when he talked to a predominantly white like group of people. And so I'm like, why change who you are because of the population that you're speaking to? He's a politician. Yeah, and I'm not a huge politician person, but like, and when Mitt Romney ran, um, I did vote for him because I believed in his character and I believed what he would hopefully do for the country and and the other people who ran after that and so my goal is never to vote for somebody just because of the color of their skin but I'm like I want to know what you're going to do to help me in this country
0: didn't Martin Luther King say it better than anyone by the content of your character exactly if we would just do that we would be so much better place oh yeah hold that thought we'll be right back Hey guys. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. One, it's free. Two, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Three, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many others. Four, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And five, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. It is so. Stinking easy. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You will not be disappointed. So yes, like Martin Luther King said, you shall be judged by the content of your character and nothing else. Really, we, we talk about... Well, no. I don't know where I was going with that. Um, well,
1: I, I think with the current generation... I think they're trying to get there. I think they're trying. When you say current
0: generation, like you mean like all of us that are living now, or just like current generation,
1: the younger generation. So twenties. Yeah, so the kids who are younger than me.
0: Uh, You're old now. You're. I know.
1: That's what the boys tell me. (laughs) You're getting old. I'm like, oh. But I think they're really trying. I think they're trying to get past looking at people as obstacles or as a race or gender or anything like that and just looking people as people and trying to help people just understand you're a person we should be on equal footing and that's the way it should be and i think what's going what's happening is because the younger generation is now getting 20s and 25 and stuff like that and they're starting to get older they're going to start taking over a lot of the public speaking and things of that nature so that as people are listening and the younger generation than them are listening, they're gonna start learning that more than what my generation learned from our parents and what their parents learned from their parents. And I, I think they're trying to break the mold, which is awesome and I love. I do think they're taking it a bit far on some things, but. Like for example, what do you mean? Um, gender. Oh. <laughs> um. I think they're taking that too far. I think that just needs to, but that's also coming from someone who grew up when in my world, there's two genders and that's what I was taught and brought up to believe and I still believe that and I don't think I'll ever change that belief. And for me, that's okay. I can respect the kids who think, oh, there's all these types of, all these genders. Like, you can believe what you want and I can believe what I want and we can still be okay. And, and so I think that's a huge thing right now. Is where race is kind of taking a backseat to gender equality. Is it the new racism? You think, for lack of a better term, um, I just made that up. <laughs> I, th- I don't think it's gone that far yet. I do think that they're taking they're taking a lot of liberties and a lot more. They're trying to put it more in the spotlight. Than I feel it needs to be because, for example, just in colleges, everybody's trying to be inclusive and like having gender neutral bathrooms and all these things. Which I'm just like, a bathroom's a bathroom, there's men's bathroom, there's women's bathroom. If you don't identify as either, they're typically like unisex bathrooms anyway, in most places that have one stall you go in, you lock the door and it's fine just want to go pee yeah it's like <laughs> you pee standing up you pee sitting or sitting down doesn't really matter no one cares but it's becoming this huge thing and i'm a current student at utah valley university and it's just insane to me how much they're putting that into the culture of college life that i feel like i'm here to learn yes do I need to learn about all of this no like that's not what I came and am paying this college for I'm paying them for my degree of what I want to educate your
0: mind learn how to think exactly yeah there's a lot of focus being put on stuff that does not matter I don't care what gender you might think you are that still doesn't matter that does not who you sleep with where you're from what race you are what religion you are what whatever if you have monkey ears, coming whatever, yeah. that doesn't matter. That does not define who you are. This is—I've been beating this drum for 20 years. Your character, how you treat people, that defines who you are. Mm-hmm. And we spend so much effort, especially in colleges, on where what do we identify as? How about you identify as a, not a dickhead? Yeah, it's
1: like all <clears> the <throat> safe space and all these things. I'm like, I don't
0: care. Just be kind, and you know, for those who are religious or not the second commandment where st- Jesus said to love your neighbor. That's all we need to do. Yep. And some may argue otherwise and
1: that's all right, but well, and just be kind to people.
0: That's, it doesn't matter what you look like.
1: Yeah. And I, I have a running joke. That's from one of my favorite movies from a really long time ago, but, um, it's called lean on me and Morgan Freeman. Great show. Love that movie. Great show. But, um, Morgan Freeman, is the principal of the school and he does all these crazy things in the eyes of the school district. And so they throw him in jail. And the comment that he makes while he's in jail to one of his coworkers, he's like, you need to do this, this, or the co-worker saying, you need to do this, 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 and this. And Morgan Freeman comes back and he's like, I don't need to do anything. I just need to stay black and die. And I tell people that all the time. I'm like, I don't have to do anything in life. I just need to stay black and so die. Be, be black and die. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I don't care, like if this happens or this happens. If I'm living the life that I want to live, that's all I've got to do. I don't have to be so accommodating to this person in my life. Like, if you don't want to be a part of my life because you don't believe what I believe or don't like the views that I have or whatever, that's your that's your choice. And I tell people that all the time. It's your choice if you want to associate with me or not, whether it's because I'm black or not, like I grew up in a town in Terre Haute, Indiana, um, and right across the river uh, was West Terre Haute. And amongst West Terre Haute, there were Klansmen who lived there, and like they had meetings and all kinds of stuff. And so like I rarely went out there because in my mind as a young black kid, I'm like, I'm going to end up dead. And... This is only... That was
0: only 22, 23 years ago. Yeah. That's mind-blowing to me.
1: Yeah, And it it was crazy because I had friends who lived out there and I would never go. Like, I went out there, I think, twice because my friend was like, you need to come to my musical. I'm like, okay. But it was terrifying for me because I'm like, as a young kid and nowadays, like, you hear of kids getting shot because... They looked like this person on a camera or someone said, oh, they saw this black kid run in and, and you were in the wrong place at the wrong time. And I think cops are getting so trigger happy and afraid for their own lives that they're not thinking straight. And so, like, I don't blame cops at all or not. I don't blame all cops. I think there are some amazing police officers. And I th- like that was some of the things that I loved about my town of Terre Haute I got to know quite a few police officers and they were amazing but as a young black kid and now like as a black man I'm probably more afraid of my life now than I was back then just because of the, the perception culture,
0: the culture that we're in
1: yeah and the way people view black men in society nowadays is being all drawn from black teenagers who are either in the wrong place at the wrong time or just look like they're going to be a criminal of some sort. And so that frightens people and that frightens the police officers and they get afraid for their life and they do something life-changing. And, and it's hard to look at life in a way of, I just wanna live my life and be joyful and have a good time and love everybody that I can when people are getting attacked because of the color of their skin and bad apples. Because there are, like, I think in every race there are bad apples. There are bad people, like, there are people who do bad things in whatever, in every race. But right now, the spotlight, they choose to use the spotlight on the black community and people are capitalizing on it and people are taking it and going and running with it and causing... The media chaos. yeah, the media loves loves chaos. all the drama extent, love it, love they're it.
0: business and mm-hmm. there's no drama if people are getting along. Exactly, right.
1: And so it's it's sad because I know for myself and like I work with a woman who who's white, who raised um, a black son who's raising a black son right now and she is amazing, love her, and she's doing a great job with him but he's having a really hard time with his own identity and having a hard time understanding who he should be and how he should live his life. Should he live the ghetto thug life that he hears in the music that he likes? Or should he just live a life of being an intelligent black young man? Uh, Cause he is an intelligent exactly.
0: black young man. He's a great kid.
1: And, and that's the thing is, is he doesn't understand because he doesn't have any role models to show him, the role models he looks to are the rappers and the basketball of, players of the and music-y. all this stuff. Okay. And they aren't all living up to a good standard yeah. to show these young kids, okay, you can be an intelligent, professional, like, successful person and be black or white or Indian or whatever, and setting that example, they're just like, I've got money, I've got cars, I've got women. It's just like, that's not helping move us out of a generation of black people or, th- or black men are thugs. They sag their pants. They wear do-rags. They carry guns. They beat they, their women. Yeah. It's like
0: yeah.
1: they have a hundred kids. It's like, no. like I was raised with a mother who loved me and who taught me a lot. And I had a father who didn't, who wasn't a part of my life. But I learned how to speak properly, how to have a good conversation, how to say what I need to say when I wanna say it and be okay with it. And I never felt like I can't carry a conversation with someone who is intelligent, I can't. I never felt that I couldn't be a part of intelligent conversations because my mom was like, you can do whatever you want. My grandmother just always taught me, she's like, you're gonna be the president of the United States one day. I'm like, no. <laughs> But thanks. I'll be the president of something. Yeah, Maybe not the United one States. One day of something. but. And so I just think, overall, things are becoming an issue because the media is causing it to become an issue.
0: Do you think there's a systematic attempt to keep the black community in its, quote-unquote, place? Yeah. I do because there's a because they feed off of it and they make money off of it.
1: Well, I think that I think government wise, like government housing is always in poor parts of communities, is always the last thing that they want to upgrade or help make better. They never want to feed into or help that community thrive, empower themselves to
0: not be in there, yeah. And give, so, give, give them. Give it's like giving anybody a drug or giving them some something for a long time. They're going to start becoming dependent on that. Yep. If and
1: they and anybody. they teach they teach their kids that, and that's how their kids are raised. Like I was raised. We lived in the ghetto when I was in New York. Like that's where we lived. And, and what's the
0: ghetto? So considered? I lived in
1: Jamaica Queens. So rundown.
0: Just a, just a certain geographical area that was yeah.
1: And so it's just it's economically a community challenged. For yeah, that term. Mm-hmm more than half of my friends were on welfare or um, got food stamps and things like that because there, one, was no jobs in, in the immediate vicinity other than working at a fast food place or working at the mall, things like that. And so it wasn't a very um, middle... It was middle-to-middle-low-class community. Economically. Yeah, economically. and And so we we were raised on that. Like I ate government cheese most of my childhood. And most people don't even know what that is anymore. But like, it was not the greatest, (laughs) but it is what I ate. And that's what I learned. And so I had to teach myself as I got older, how to manage money, how to like pay on a car loan, how to do these different things that I had to learn because I was never taught it. And I think that's perpetuated because our government isn't putting that effort into the school system for predominantly black communities, isn't putting any effort into helping those communities with those children, other than when you see like Ellen bring in the teacher from the low-income school district who's doing a great job. It's like, that's awesome, like, appreciate it, but your one-time donation only goes so far. And it only helps the kids within that certain amount of time period. And the kids who come after them don't get it. Don't have that motivation to like, cool, like, I want to go to college one day. I want to do this. I want to do that. Because most of them see, like, you see your cousin get shot doing by a drive-by. Or you see another kid get shot because of gang rivalry or things like that. And so you feel like that's the life I'm going to end up in. So why prolong it? Why try to fight it? Yeah, and just go with it. And so I saw some of my friends. I have quite a few friends who died when I was from New York. And I saw a kid get shot. I've, I've seen a lot of craziness in my life. But I didn't let that define who I wanted to become. Which, did the opposite, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. I, I got out of there, like, which was The hell was with this. Yeah, I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to jail for anybody. <laughs> yeah. If I go to jail, it's going to be because I did something really stupid. And so I got out of that. And luckily, my mom really wanted us out of it. She's like, I don't want my kids to end up going down that path. And so I think it really does come down to the black parents have to make a stand and make a change. So it, it starts in the home, mm-hmm. again, which we hear a lot. But, where 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 is your your mom now? So my mom passed away a couple of years ago. Did um, you hear that? I didn't know that. No, but she's she's an amazing woman. Like she was great. She taught us a lot. You have she, siblings. I have a sister. Okay. You so yeah, I have one older sister, and then um, I kind of didn't really, but got adopted into my best friend's family. Um, they're amazing, and I love them. They are they are family to me and they're white. And so and a lot So of you get your look, token white family is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> okay, is that how that works? No, no, no. But no, like me and my best friend we met in boy scouts and the scouting program which is amazing. I love it. But that's where we met and fast friends. Like he's my brother. Will always be my brother.
0: Blood means I don't think blood means anything. Yep. And we we put too much stock in that.
1: Oh yeah. I think it's important to have like the relational ties, to like know where you came from. But I I tell my brother, like I tell my best friend all the time, it's like we were separated like in heaven. <laughs> You're brothers from another mother. Oh yeah. Yeah. And and the great thing for me is my mom accepted him as another son and his mom accepted me as another son. Yeah. Uh, and so it was because of never... your character
0: not because of what you looked like exactly it never had to do with the color of skin she may not have exactly she would like, be oh, like no, you not, can't hang out with no it. you are a bad influence get out of my house
1: yeah exactly and so like and I adore them and so they between my biological mom and then my best friend's family like, helped raise me into the man that I became and and I appreciate all of the contributions that they made and I had some awesome uncles who taught me some great lessons and and so I had a, I was lucky enough to have a lot of familial ties from a young age who gave me good examples and who would t- teach me and talk to me about, don't go down this path, even don't though be, they went down that path. Don't be stupid. Yeah. They're like, I made the mistake already. Don't follow me. Yeah. And so I was the lucky one because I was the baby. And so everyone was like, don't do this. Don't do this. Do this. Don't do this. And... And so for me, for myself, it was great because I had that understanding of I don't need to go down this path and have sex with a bunch of women and do drugs and all of this stuff. I can live a life, be intelligent, go to college, get a good job. Like a few years, uh, it's been f- almost four years. I bought my first condo, my first home and uh, I bought my first car when I ever bought a car and things like that, and, and that was all with all my own money. And it's because of my family who taught me, don't go down the path that we went down, choose a different path for our family. And so it's been awesome. And quite a few of my cousins have actually made that change too and are living really good lives right now. And I think it just, it has to be, like you have to want to do it, and then you have to have support to do it right because to try to do it on your own it's a hundred times harder it can be done it has been done but it's so much harder to be pulled out of the ghetto and it's so funny because I work predominantly with white kids Uh, because you are in Utah yeah (laughs) but they they always feel like they're like Phil like you're just an Oreo like you're black on the outside but white on the inside because you're like the white black guy I know. And I'm like, well, one, that's rude. Just, that's a dumbass statement. <laughs> yeah, but two, in their mind, because I can speak properly because I have a job and I'm not doing drugs and I'm not getting, I don't have all these women that I'm sleeping with. You're not a dumbass. Exactly, yeah. that, oh, like, you're pretty much white. And I think that's part of, like, going back that's to what we talked about. a rate,
0: that's a... Beyond racist statement.
1: Yeah. But I think that goes back to like the s- systemic racism. Like okay, it's yeah. because that's what they've been taught. Portrayed and seen in movies. Exactly. Media. Uh, the black guy is black the guy guys, who has it, a gun. Idiots and thugs yeah. an
0: idiot. And it, right. Every like I'm just thinking of uh, blindside. Yeah. Kind of blindside that whole, the whole. Every time they portrayed that black community was just thugs,
1: chicks, drugs. Yep. You know, Attitude. It's funny because that movie portrayed well, not totally, but like, is me and my best friend. Like, I always felt like, all right, I'm the black kid, and my best friend's the white little brother because he's Uh, younger than me. (laughs) So it's so fun. So we'll watch it together and just laugh because like, that would totally be us. (laughs) But I I think it it's been so much ingrained in the culture of the United States that it's hard for kids to look past it or to even understand what they're doing with with what they say. Because these kids aren't doing it intentionally to be racist or to be rude or anything like that. They just, they think it's funny and they think, oh, like, because this is how I see it and this is how it's been portrayed to me in my life. Like You're just a, a black guy, like white on the inside, black on the outside kind of thing. And I always, Look at it, and I'm just like, that's interesting that you associate smart, intelligence, good speech with white people, with a white, yeah, and thug, ghetto speech with black people. Because I know quite a few white kids who speak way more ghetto than I do, and so they're it's, stupid, a, or because no, trying. it's just because one. For some of them, where they were raised, like they were raised in a predominantly black community, being a white kid who you either assimilate or get beat up every day, they assimilate. And I think that that was just what it was. And so, like, I never looked down on them. I have a hard time with kids who come to where I work who come from well off families and sag their pants and want to be ghetto and talk with all this slang and like, like an idiot, yeah. You, you're you just portraying yourself as a dumb person. You're not portraying yourself as a smart, intelligent kid like you could be, and that you are. And And so it's just really difficult to weed that out and help teach them, because I'm one person, and they're only with me from eight to 12 months, and then they're gone. And so I can only make so much of an impact to hopefully change how they look at life or how they look at race. Yeah, you're probably planting seeds, you know. But, but and, and I hope so. I hope that's what, I'm, what I've am what i been doing and I hope that eventually people will start teaching their children at home, at home, this is the way you should be looking at people. This is not okay, this is not okay to say. These are things that you need to understand before you open your mouth and speak so, my wife and I just
0: recently watched that movie called Green Book, The Green Book. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard about it, or do you know? That? I haven't seen it. BS. Are you familiar with what mm-hmm. the premise of it is? Well, for those who may not know, it's it's the Green Book was a like a travel guide for Black people in the South, places they could stay that were safe for Black people. Mm-hmm. Do you think that? I mean, you haven't seen it, but there's so many Hollywood shows about racism. Do you think that Hollywood is portraying it how it really was, or do you think they're sensationalizing how it was? Because this, it was mind-blowing that this show they would, the, the star of it was this, I mean, accomplished pianist. He was a phenomenal piano player, and he wanted to do this tour in the South, in the six late sixties, mm-hmm. early seventies. So he hired this. This dude from the Bronx, you know, this thug. He was a, I call him just like a thug redneck. He was so ignorant, but he he was tough. He was a tough guy, like an Italian guy. And he was tough, and he could handle any situation. He could bust people's heads if he needed, you know, forget about it. You don't (laughs) say that kind of thing. And so these, go to the South, and these big plantation owners and hotels would hire this guy to come play the piano for them and entertain their, you know, get their quota. Mm Mm-hmm. But they wouldn't let him use the bathroom in the facility he was playing in, and make him—they would make him change into his suit in a in a custodian closet. But yet, parade him about like we're look what we're doing. This is our black, see our black little puppet here. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that if that is like reality, or if that's Hollywood puffing it up. I'm uh, sure there's some truth to that. At the yeah, very least.
1: I, I think there. I think there was quite a bit of truth to how once. Owning slaves wasn't cute anymore and illegal. I think it turned into this era of, oh, they have really good music, so we'll we'll bring them in to show people like, oh, like we're well-to-do and like we're inviting these people to come in and entertain us, uh, and and so like back in the day when they used to do like blackface and things like that, it was more about trying to entertain people and trying to parade black people around as you're here to entertain us not to be like us and i think that's perpetuated now to like basketball has turned into a predominantly black sport there are some white guys in there but these black guys are 6'5 like 260 pounds you're just like beasts of the man
0: it's odd to see a white guy in the Yeah, right now.
1: and like people think like what who's he and and so it's still about entertainment like rap is predominantly black because of the entertainment aspect and the culture aspect and and so there's a lot of still the black community is here to entertain and if you're not an entertainer what else you're going to do or you're going to be Like, you're either an entertainer, or you're just a nobody that no one ever is going to really understand or know. Unless you're Morgan Freeman. Yes, who's amazing. Yeah, but he's also an entertainer. But he's he's turned it into a great platform. Platform to teach. To teach, and it's been awesome. And I love that man. He's amazing. Yeah, he's. But I think that's definitely the roles he plays. I think that's been the way it has been. Is just we we have been perpetuated to be entertainers and, and at fault of our own, like we, we kept perpetuating it. We kept feeding into that, like people like our music. Well here we'll sell it and we'll go and play here. Or we'll play there. And, and it just became this thing of like, well, if we're going to make it in this world, we need to be entertainers. And I remember back when I was young, that was the way people felt like they would make it out of the ghetto. Was be a basketball player, sports be a football or player, or, or, or be a musician. And it's just like, I don't want to do that. Like, I sing, like, I love to sing, and I do music. But it's not what I want to do for the rest of my life as a career. Like, I will entertain till the day I die because I love it. Not for the money, not for the fame, the glory. Like, I, I'm going to school to be a social worker. Like, that is what I really want to do with my life. And so, like, I think for me, I don't want ever to feel like that's the only way I can make it in this world and be remembered is if I'm an entertainer. It's like, I feel like I can be remembered for just the person that I am and be kind and loving and genuine with people. Oh, you're talking about your character again. (laughs) Weird. Weird. Weird how it keeps coming back to that. And so, I I think that's, that's where we need to get to. And I... I do, like I said earlier, I think the the younger generation now is trying to move toward that and break the mold of, I have to be an entertainer to to be noticed or to be, uh, just to be recognized as a person in this community, in this world. And now they're feeling like, okay, I can do all kinds of things. I can travel, I can write, I can be a teacher, I can do all kinds of things. And I think they're now pursuing those things. Although when I was younger, people would say that all the time. Kids would say that in my school all the time. I want to be a firefighter, I want to be this, I want to be that. And then you would get that reality check. I'm black, and I live in the ghetto. It's going to be a really hard road for me to get from where where I'm at now to where I want to be. And do I want to put forth that effort? Some did, some didn't. And that's why we still have the communities that we have. And that's why the projects are still the projects in low income areas is because people are still going to want to live there. That's a mentality that spans all race,
0: mm-hmm. all races. I so grew up in Northern California. It's crazy. predominantly white, but there's a lot of poverty still and laziness and drug use. And, mm-hmm. and it's just, it's a mentality and it doesn't matter what color you are. Exactly. And that's, just you know, perpetuated. When when I hear the the term black community, does that is that a blanket statement for all black people everywhere in the world, or just in America? Or is it does 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 Utah County have a black community? Does Salt Lake have a black community? Does New York have a black community? Are they the same? Are they different?
1: Um, what's what's your perspective on that? I think one. I do think they're different. Well, let me say this. I believe that people use that phrase as a blanket term, as the black community meaning all blacks, whether you're American or not. Uh, mostly when they mention that they speak about Americans. I think in my own definition, the black community that I that I grew up in and things was the neighborhood, like the physical geographic area of where I grew up was predominantly black. And so whether there were three or four white families within that community, they lived within the black community. Because like, if you look at old movies, not old, old movies, but like movies in the 80s, late 80s, early 90s, with like, there's a movie called Boys in the Hood and things like that where they have barbecues weekly. Like Sunday night people go outside during the summer, everybody's barbecuing. You walk down the street and you can eat their food and come up the street and eat their food and all that kind of stuff. Um, They have a block party, all that kind of stuff. That kind of stuff is very much ingrained in the black community, and I think here in Utah, there probably is a semblance of that, but it's very much smaller than just because of the demographics. Yeah, but like within the LDS Church, uh, they have what they call Genesis. Uh, that was established in late early 2000s, I believe, that created a space for Black members who uh, of the church who lived here in Utah to be able to come together once a month or multiple times a month, but once a month to do kind of a fireside, to sing songs that they grew up with and to feel... Like they can worship the way they would like to worship and still believe the same things that they believe within the church. And it's been an amazing thing, but it also has been now it's being regulated more in this aspect of, well, you can't do these, but you need to do these, but you can sing this, you can't sing that. Or we want you to sing more of this if you're gonna come. I used to be in the choir that sang with them or sing at these firesides. And it started they start to regulate and try to conform what happens at these firesides. And in all reality, like within the LDS church, firesides literally have no parameters <laughs> other than if you're in the chapel of the church, you don't have like all these crazy things. But Other than that, it's like, as long as you're speaking truth, as long as you aren't being disrespectful to the building itself, like sing and worship how you feel you need to worship. And that could be from singing gospel songs to um, standing and like, amen, like hallelujah. And that was the cool thing when I first started going to Genesis is that was a thing. People would stand up and like sing along and clap along. And you felt the spirit, but you also, you felt like, okay, I can understand what the teachings of the church are in my way and still believe the same thing from Sunday church meetings to a Sunday evening fireside and they go hand in hand and I feel that they are changing that to be less than what it has been. And so I think within Utah, the black community is becoming smaller and smaller because people are moving away because they don't feel like they have a place to be themselves. And, and I think within like New York, when I lived in New York, I think it was a very much a geographic place as well. Like this is where it is. Like you live here, you're in the black community, whether you're black or not. And here in Utah, I think Genesis was that community feel for everybody. And it's not as community feeling for a lot of people. And so people are leaving, moving back to wherever they came from, or not going to church anymore because they're just like, I don't feel like I fit in. Like people are staring at us because my daughter has cornrows or I dress this way. And and so it's a, it's a little harder here to be black and... BLDS here in Utah because there one always eyes on you, even unintentionally. There are always eyes on you. What well, just just because you stand out? Yeah, just by the sheer nature of and you know. and that's hard for some people. It's like they feel like they're being watched twenty four seven. Like it can be hard, but you also have to understand is most of the people who lived here, especially in my generation and younger. They haven't been around, if they've lived here in Utah most of their life, they haven't been around a lot of black people. And so it's very difficult for them anyway. And so I think there's always some fluidity with the term black community and how people use it. And I think people need to understand that as like it can be a geographical place, but it also can be just the idea and the collective as well. So do you think, I, I've only been to Atlanta
0: twice, and I assume it's a oh, lot well, of It's <laughs> in terms of population, it's maybe opposite to Utah. Yes. So do you think, if I was living in, I mean, because you hear of racism, and you rarely think, at least I don't. And tell me if I'm wrong. You rarely think if black race, black racism against white. You don't hear that very much. It's always, it always oh, yeah. seems to be. That's at least in my It's a
1: thing, though. It is definitely a thing. It's not as spoken about. Like but. in
0: Atlanta, would this be... A, if I was living in Atlanta.
1: Oh, yeah. You'd be the white you, boy. Would, I'd or... be the token white boy. Mm-hmm. Kind of. so we'd So you'd be interviewing me
0: <laughs> as the token white boy. Oh, yeah.
1: Okay. My mom would have you over. She'd like, we need to fatten you up. You need to eat some real good home cooking <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Like, the stereotypical thing that people like see in movies is a legitimate thing. Like, stereotypes... Come from real things. Yeah, there's like, truth to them. My family, we love fried chicken, we love watermelon, we love Kool-Aid. Like, I'm so never going to get. I don't know a family it. that
0: doesn't like those exactly.
1: Things. But like, it's like, having the them together. Like, it's yeah. the stereotype. Like, when we barbecue, that's what we eat, and it's just what it is. So does everyone else? Um, like, barbecues meat. Yeah, they eat. And so, but it's in the just summertime. Like,
0: but yeah, you're right.
1: That's what people think. Like, oh, like I'm going to go over this ass. and so like, my family grew up eating soul food. Like. And a lot of people eat that, but it's the way you cook it. Soul food is well. So mashed potatoes, green, collard greens, uh, mac and cheese. Okay. That's like, soul food. So if I eat that, will it do something to my <laughs> like soul? Is it, is oh, yes. It's, it's a heavenly experience when it's really will good. It will do something to my <laughs> belly. <laughs> but like, there, there's always that notion of like, all right, if you moved down and lived in Atlanta... You, you would stick out and yeah. people would just look at because you. Because I was different color. Yeah. And and there will be people who will be like, oh, that cracker over there, or that white guy, and this, that, and the other and because there is that like people call it reverse racism. I think it's just racism. Yeah, it's yeah, like
0: reverse. Yeah. I I know where that comes kind of Yeah, it, but it doesn't make sense.
1: But and so I think it it is a thing. And we don't talk about it a lot because people don't want to hear it. And the people that don't want to hear are the people who are calling for justice for being like victims of racism. But in the same same breath, they become racist towards the people that are, quote unquote racist to them. And And so it's really difficult for people and even for myself to grasp that concept because like in my own mind, I'm not racist. I'm against anybody, I just I love people for people and I hate people for people. <laughs> and, how, dare you be care. So, how dare you be so real? <laughs> it's like, if I don't like you, I don't like you. I don't care what the yeah, color of your skin it's is because you're a dink or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah and so it's like, I, I could care less what color that your skin is or where you grew up. I don't like you because of X, Y, and Z, yeah, because you treat me poorly. Yeah, or it's something. like, and I like you because of X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. and and so I think. That's where we need to get to, Um, but I don't think we're anywhere near it yet. But actually, I wrote a paper last semester in school for my English class that was just about the use of or the terminology that we use toward Black people. Of do you call them Black? Do you call them African American? Yeah, who decides all that? Um, So politically correctness, like the government. Classified. The politically correct term is African American. Uh, when I don't classify my, classify myself as African American, I classify myself as black because I am not from Africa. I heard the Goldberg <laughs> say that on an interview years ago. She's like, "I'm not. I'm not African
0: American. I'm not from Africa." Yeah, and I, I know so, where that comes from because because of the genealogy.
1: Yeah, like years back, my lineage, like could way be. back in the day, most likely came from Africa. I could have come from Jamaica, but so you're from.
0: India, uh, Indiana, you're Indian, yeah. you're Indian American. But blah, I am partially it, like
1: Native American too. And so I'm like, but I, I was born in the United States of America. I'm American first, black second. You're American American. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I was here first. So who, yeah, so who
0: <laughs> in terms of like name calling, I was talking with my daughter this about this the other day. And, mm-hmm. You know, black people who use the N word with each other. She's like, that's okay, dad. I'm mm. Like why it's derogatory. Mm. To me it's wrong and it's 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 derogatory, it's negative, it's hate filled. I don't care. Yo, what up, me, you know. Yeah. No. It's no.
1: always been wrong to me. My stance on that is no matter the color of your skin, who you are, it's not okay. And the reason why is coming from me and like just in the culture that I grew up in, like we use that all the time when I was younger. But I look at it as like if you don't want other people using that term, you shouldn't use that term. If you think it's not okay for them to use this term, then don't use this te- don't use that term. Because they're going to see, you're saying it, all right, I can use it now. Yeah, you're giving a license. And th- in their mind, it's not that way. Like, no, it's because I'm black, I can use it. I've earned the right to use something. Like, no, you didn't earn anything. You just were born, and that word has just been used in every rap song that you've listened to in your life. It's ignorance made audible. Exactly. Okay. And, and so it's just, I teach the boys that I work with, it's like, you will never hear me say that to anybody. Like, whether they're black or not. I will never use that word. And I expect you not to as well. And yes, they listen to more rap music than I do. I probably have ever. But it's like, I try to teach them, he's using it, because he thinks it's okay. And he's using it. Some Sometimes they're using it more for emphasis than anything. And they're using it in a place of oppression and why like the community has been around and why they use that term and things like that. There are some rappers out there who do a great job about that kind of stuff. But there are very few. And a majority of them just use it because that's what they were taught.
0: Well, it's like a, just a comedian who uses profanity because they don't have a very good... They don't have very good content.
1: So it's like oversexed
0: and underwritten, mm-hmm. which is a phrase my wife used to say when things were like, okay, we don't really have good content, so let's just throw in some profanity and some boobs and some butts
1: mm-hmm. or whatever and insults you know, or blood. Yeah, and so that's, I think that's why there's still so in, much animosity and so much um, butting heads when it comes to using the N-word is. People don't understand that if you want people to stop using a word, you need to stop using that same word. Be the example you want to see. Exactly. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. Good. That's good. Okay. Well, um, as we wrap this up, if there was one thing you would want people to walk away from to better their world because of what we talked about, what would it be?
1: Be yourself, I think, would be the one thing that I want people to understand and do. Be who you are. Don't be who the media says you are or your parents say you are or your friends say you are. Be who you are because you want to be that person. Don't try to fit a mold or become this or that because people are telling you to. Be yourself be the trend that you want to see so there you're doing
0: it again you're going back to that character thing <laughs> be your character that's you can't i can't stress that enough yep. just freaking you know be kind and don't get hung up on yeah you know, like the labels the media labels mm-hmm. the people labels well you're that you're this you're that you can't do this you can't do that so dude awesome This has been fun. Yes, it has. Thanks for having me. I feel like there's a second part to this at some point. (laughs) We could always do a second part for uh, sure. This has been awesome, so I I appreciate you taking your time. Yeah. Um, How can you? Do you have like a social media presence that someone could reach you if they wanted to? Um, if
1: anybody ever wants to reach out to me, I'm on Instagram. It's actually Baritone underscore Love. Baritone. I'm a baritone. (laughs) baritone. And so. And I am not, as you can
0: tell by my sexy voice.
1: (laughs) So yeah, so. Instagram, typically, same handle for Twitter if you're on Twitter. I don't post on Twitter very often, but I do have one. You're such a hater. So, yeah, I'm, I'm old. <laughs> you know, yeah, I know. I'm 30. <laughs> Let me think 30. 20 years ago, man. That's crazy.
0: Oh. That's crazy. So. Perfect. Cool. Thank You'll you, see. Phil. Thank you, sir. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, we'll do this again. Okay. Thank you again for listening to The Parish the Thought Show. We would love your comments and feedback on our website at briankeithparish.com slash feedback. If you love or hate what you hear, please give us a rating on whatever platform you find us.